Have you ever been put on the spot in front of people? I know uh, for me, uh, there's been times in my life that I've found myself, whether it be in a meeting, um, in a group conversation, I found myself at different times just being put on the spot, where now all of a sudden, everybody that was talking, whether it be in a, in a business setting or, or in a setting of close friends or something, everybody that was talking is now quiet and they're focused on me. And it's really, it's fine whenever you know what you got to say or you know what you got to do, but there are some times that all eyes are focused on us and we got no idea what we're supposed to say. The, the one of the times that was this, this kind of thing happened most, um, it was my fault, right? Um, I, uh, when I first got ordained, I was down in cutoff, and I was, I was doing, getting ready for Mass during the week. Well, let's be honest, it was, it was Sunday morning, it was the last minute, I was trying to put a homily together. Um, so I, I wake up, I'm at 5 o'clock in the morning, I got 7 o'clock Mass, I'm going through and I'm just looking, okay, what's something that, what's the readings, I hadn't checked on them, it was just a busy week, the week kind of got away from me. I finally look down, I see... I, I use this commentary that I normally use, and I see just the three words, the wicked tenant. And I, that's all I saw, but I was like, oh, I know that story. That's good. I'm going to move on. That's great. Awesome. And I was like, I'll start going on and, and put my homily together. Now I'm in the sacristy. I'm ready to go walk out. I read the gospel like I just did, and it's a different gospel. It, it took me two lines to realize it was a different gospel. <laughs> And now for the next 45 seconds while I'm reading the gospel, two things are happening. One, Holy Spirit, you ordained me. You better figure this out. Number two, I'm trying to figure out and like trying to put together what did they teach me in seminary about this reading. So I'm reading slow. I'm trying to make that 45 seconds into a minute and a half. Good luck, right? I got a room full of people. I got a church full of people that are locked in staring at me once I'm done. And I have no idea what I'm supposed to say. Now, if anybody from Cutoff listens to my homily from this weekend, um, they'll be like, he really did that to us. It's okay, they're from South Lafourche. We're going to ignore them. Uh, but anyway, I, I just know I was, I, was, I was scared out of my mind because everybody in the church is now staring at me and I have no idea what I'm supposed to say. I think sometimes us as Catholics, us as Christians, we... We may, whether we realize it or not, because we come to church, there's a lot of times in our life that all eyes are locked on us, and we might not know what to say. Even worse, all eyes might be locked on us in our family or in, a, in our workplace because they know we went to church on Sunday. All eyes might be locked on us, but, but we don't know what to do. Today in our scripture, Jesus addresses this question. We may not know what to do, but the, but the landowner still offers a very, very important question. And I think what it does is it gives us a chance to pause for a moment and to reflect on our own life. That question, why do you stand here idle all day? Let's break open the scripture and, and we'll get to that question, right? Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out to hire servants to work in his vineyard. You got one guy who has a field, who has a vineyard, a, a, a big orchard of grapes. And what does this one guy have to do? He, has to, he wants to harvest as many grapes as possible. He wants to bear as much fruit as possible in his vineyard. And he can't do it alone. Because if he's working by himself, doesn't matter how hard he works, 
it's not going to be the same as if he has three, four, five, ten other people working with him. Because he wants to bear the most fruit as he possibly can. He goes out at 6 a.m. The work day for, for the, in, that Jewish, in the Jewish tradition in this time was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. generally. And the reason why it was that is because that was daylight. If, the light was, if, if there was the sun, you were working, right? So he went out at 6 a.m. and he says, early in the day, he says, I'm going to go get laborers from my vineyard. He gets some people, they come in, and they, 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 they're out bearing fruit. They're out working. They're out harvesting. Well, he realizes, man, I need more people. I want, to, I want to harvest more. The harvest is abundant. We need more people. So he goes out and he gets more at 9, and then again at 12, and then again at 3. Comes to the end of the day. He's an hour before the end of the day. And what does he do? He says, no, 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 I still need more people. There's still so much work to be done. So he goes out at 5, and he finds some who have been standing around with nothing to do. Idle all day, the Greek would have literally said, nothing to do. And when he approaches them, he says, he puts them on the spot. Why do you stand here all day idle? I think for us, that question could be kind of piercing sometimes. We get put in a spot. Why do we stand around with our faith idle? What does it look like for our faith to be active? And our response to that question, very, very simply, might be, no one's hired us. No one's sent us out. No one's empowered me to do anything. No one's told me what to do. But why do we stand here idle all day? You know, in every Christian's life, in every Catholic's life, there are two moments that tell us what we're supposed to do. There are two moments that dictate the direction that we're supposed to go. And it's two moments in the sacramental life of the church, in the, in the sacramental life of each of us, that sometimes we can forget about us, sometimes we can take for granted, but in reality, it's a big deal. These are two really, really major moments in our life. The first is our baptism. The day of our baptism, something massive happened in our life. Whether you realize it or not, at that moment, original sin wiped away. We know that. You were disposed to divine grace. Meaning that God's life starts to live in us. That at the moment of our baptism, God's life now lives in us. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. Now we have, the, we have a way to receive and to be in contact with God that is something so much greater than anyone had in the history of humanity before Jesus. That you and I are empowered at our baptism. We are gifted at our baptism with all the divine grace that heaven has. That the divine life of God, the same Spirit that, that lived in and worked through Jesus, that, that achieved all these miracles and all of His ministry and all of His preaching, that same divine life, whether you realize it or not, on the day of your baptism was gifted to you. It was given to you. It was given to me. May 18th, 1989. It was given to you. That second moment, though, at confirmation, is whenever this gift that we have been given 
then turns into an obligation that now we have to live. Good way to explain it. Good way to think about it. Um, when I was before, I, gra- I, moved, I graduated high school in 2007. I moved out the following August. Up to the day I moved out, my parents were responsible for doing all the stuff for me. Right? I, my, my parents were responsible for educating me. My parents were responsible for feeding me. Now, that might be cereal at 10 o'clock at night. Thanks, Mom. Um, that, that those kind of things might happen, but my parents were responsible for making sure that my life, that the things I needed were there, that I was educated, that I was fed, that I was clothed, that I had what I needed to survive, right? I was given just a little bit of responsibility, which I failed miserably at, of trying to keep my room clean, of trying to do my couple of things, trying to stay responsible with my homework, right? Now, I move out. I go to college. Well, now all of a sudden, I got to do my own laundry, and I got to learn how to do that. You, 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 you're supposed to separate colors and, and whites and, and what? You're supposed, to, you're supposed to actually, I don't know, iron your clothes, those kind of things. Like, you're supposed to like, make sure that you have food that, that isn't just going to make you fat. Like, that, that's weird. You have to learn how to do it, right? What you have been gifted as a young person now becomes an obligation for you. What I was gifted when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, now I have to do for myself as you grow up. In the same way, in in a sacramental life of the church, we're gifted at baptism all the grace we need, divine life living within us. And at our confirmation, that gift now becomes an obligation. If you will, we we use the language in our country a lot of rights. Well, you have a right to all of the graces that God has. But at confirmation, we have a responsibility to exercise it and to use it and to use it well. You see, for us, what does it look like to use it? What does it look like to put the the graces of baptism into action? Very simply, it's to be the landowner if if we look at today's parable. When the landowner goes out, he's not going out looking for people that are just going to kind of twiddle their thumbs. He's looking for people that are going to work, right? He's looking for people that are going to be good workers on his behalf, who are going to try and harvest these grapes to the same intensity, like putting the same amount of their life into it as him. He's looking for as many people that are going to harvest with the same care and the same diligence that he will. When Jesus is talking about this parable, he's talking about himself and finding his disciples. He's talking about himself going out and finding people who are going to have the same care for souls, who are going to have the same diligence in living their life, who are going to have the same recognition of the Holy Spirit empowering them and witnessing to the world around them. And that invitation to work in the vineyard echoes down even to us today. Because when Jesus is looking for people in the, in the early church, He finds the twelve disciples. And then those twelve disciples continue His work. And then when He's looking for more people throughout the course of human history, He finds the saints of the 300s, the 500s, the 1200s, the 1500s, even to today. He's still enlisting workers. 
And some of us have been enlisted early in the day, or early in our life, if you will. We've been cradle Catholics, and we've just been kind of brought up in it, and it's the normal thing. You go to Mass on Sunday. Some of us, it might have been after high school or, or college when we were getting married or something like that, that we started to say, you know what, I might take it a little bit more seriously. Some people had said the end of their life, where they reflect back and they, and they say, you know what, I, I, need to, I need to really take my life seriously with the Lord. But all of us, whenever we were enlisted into this field, into this life of discipleship, all of us have the same ultimate task. And that is to be the best version of the landowner that we can. See, at baptism, we're given the grace to be Jesus. We're gifted the grace of the Holy Spirit that makes us an extension of Jesus in the world. And a confirmation that becomes an obligation to be Jesus. Just imagine, just imagine for a moment, what would your family look like? What would your household look like if Jesus Christ moved in? If Jesus Christ lived at your house with you, what, how would it change your, your, your household? How would it change your life? I think it may change the conversations, it may change the, the media that we consume, it may change what time together looks like. I think if Jesus Christ moved in, it would have a pretty dramatic impact in our families. Might might allow us to let go some of the tension, arguing, fighting that might happen. If Jesus Christ all of a sudden got hired at your job, if he was working down the hall from you, if he was hanging out in the break room with you, if he was by the water cooler in the morning, if he was hanging off the back of the, if he was teaching, down, teaching in your classroom, or he was hanging off at the back of the garbage truck, I think it would change the way that we did our work. It would change the way that we approach the world around us. See, this is the thing. It, this might seem like kind of something far out and kind of like, well, that's a good idea, Father. You're supposed to be Jesus. You and I, by virtue of our baptism and confirmation, are called to be Jesus in every aspect of life. Whether with our family, at the gym, or at work. We're called to be Jesus. To communicate His love. Communicate His peace, His justice, His truth, His goodness. We're called to be His presence in every aspect of life. I think a lot of times when we hear, why do you stand idle all day? I, that, I could translate that to, well, why don't you get involved with the church? And I, pre I appreciate, Mr. J, thank you for singing, and, and Dana, thank you for reading. But the reality is, is that that's not what involved with the church is supposed to be for the lay faithful. And we thank everybody who does those things, and we really appreciate it. But the reality is, is that the lay faithful are called to be Jesus in every corner of the world. Why do we stand idle all day? Well, no one's asked me to. But today, I'm just letting you know, if you came into church and wondering if, if Father was going to say something to you, I'm saying it. You are called to be Jesus. To not stand idle. To not sit back and let the world around us dictate what we do. 
Like I said, imagine the impact on your family. Imagine the impact on your workplace. Just if you want to know what the need is for having Jesus in the world, watch the news for 10 minutes. Take your pick, whichever one you want. We are called to be the presence of Christ in the world. We are called to be Jesus to the people that we see in all aspects of life. May we not fall short and be comfortable with being idle. May we live our life in a way of communicating His love, empowered by the Holy Spirit, fed by the Eucharist that we receive. Let's go out and be Jesus this week.